I'm ready. It's all right. All right, welcome to Draft Utopia on TalkShoe, and I'm also recording this interview on Anchor. Um, it'll be up on Spotify, so it'll be up on a lot of different streaming services, but this is the 800th episode on TalkShoe. I've been doing this podcast since 2011. It's crazy, but yeah, we've got a special treat today. Marshall left back. Gabriel Alves is here. We're going to talk some soccer and leading up to Wednesday's MLS Super Draft, the 2023 Super Draft. I've got 15 questions prepared. We're going to dive right into it. And some pre-game bowl coverage. I know there's a I know college football bowl season starts today, but doesn't start till 11:30, so some pre-game bowl coverage here. We'll talk soccer with Gabriel Alves, but were there any players you grew up looking up to in Brazil when you were younger? Answer your first question. I just wanted to thank you for uh, reaching out to me and to for the opportunity to be here in this podcast. Uh, but the first question that I can answer you, uh, I had two. Uh, definitely, I would, t- I would say two Brazilian names. Uh, I would say Ronaldinho uh, and Kaká because I play almost my whole life as a midfielder and holding it. So when I was younger, I used to watch them every game. Like used to watch their highlights on YouTube to try to like play like them. So for me, those were my favorite ones. But after I turned into a left back, then I started changing a little bit, and then I started to look more for Marcelo and Alfonso Davis. Yeah, because I remember Ronaldinho. He was popular back in the day. Like I think. 2006 was his peak year. He was still pretty effective in 2010, but I remember in 2006, I think I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, and the 2006 FIFA World Cup was going on at the time. And Ronaldinho and Landon Donovan were the two big stars at that time, and there were a few other star players. I think David Beckham was with England still at the time. So there were a lot of up-and-coming players at that point as well. Um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so... um, When did you first start playing soccer? Uh, So I started playing soccer really young. My dad gave me a soccer ball when I was two years old, two to three years old, so I started really young. Uh, And then I played in a small academy in Brazil. Uh, in Sao Paulo, originally, where I'm from. And I played till my eight to nine years old, and then I played like on a tournament when I was nine. Uh, and there were some scouts for Sao Paulo Football Club. I don't know if you know the club. Uh, and those scouts recruited me. They, they put me in Sao Paulo to make a tryout for a week. And then I passed in the trial, and then I started playing for Sao Paulo. I played there for five years, uh, where I grew up a lot and learned a lot of things. Uh, how to take care of myself was one of the biggest things that I have to today, and I always tell everyone. Uh, Sao Paulo is one of the greatest academies in, in Brazil, and they teach not just how to be a really good soccer, soccer player, but 
how to be a great person outside of the field as well. Uh, and then I had to live in the facilities far away from my parents and my family uh, with the age of 13 to 14. So I had to take care of myself with, in a really such young age. And then after that, I played in other couple of small clubs uh, to my youth, 20, my, my 20 years old. Yeah. Um, was left back your first position in soccer? And do you have a secondary position that you can play as well? Since I know a lot of teams, not just MLS teams, but a lot of teams in general love versatility, regardless of the sport. Yeah, uh, this is definitely, I, I, I'm a very versatile guy. Uh, and I learned that in Sao Paulo, because back in the day, Sao Paulo, uh, our head coach used to tell us that we had to play at least in three different positions, not just two, but at least three, because the soccer at that time already was like changing a lot. And we were looking for players that could play more than two or three positions. Uh, my first position, as I told you in the beginning, wasn't left back. Uh, my first position was left midfielder and holding mid. But then at Sao Paulo, this head coach tried me a couple of times as a left back. And he used to tell me every time, like, you're a great player, you, you'll be really good at left back as well. You should, like, put this in your mind for the future. Uh, because there's a lot of teams that, like, need, a, need more left back. And there's too many players that wants to be midfielder. Uh, and then when I was playing the U-20s in my last club before coming to the U.S., uh, I ended up playing in the first team in a second division. Uh, they could bring five players from the U-20s to fill up the spots for the first team and to play this tournament. And then they needed a, a left back, and I was playing the U-20s for a holding mid, and asked if I could if I would play. I said yes, of course. So then that was the first time that I really played like a whole tournament as a left back. Uh, and they did pretty good. Uh, they also used me as a left center back. So before coming to Marshall, I had a lot of videos on my highlights that was playing left back and center back uh, at the end of the video. So when I came to Marshall, I played in three different positions already. I played left back, I played left center back, and I also played as a holding mid a couple of games last season. When you say holding yeah. midfielder, you mean defensive midfielder, correct? Not a central mid or an attacking mid. You played like a defensive midfielder. Yeah, defensive, defensive midfielder, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that because I had never heard the term holding mid before. I probably should study up on my soccer terminology, but yeah, that's on me. You're doing great. You're... No, no problem. <laughs> All right. So... How many colleges offered you scholarships, and what sold you on Marshall? Uh, this is a very interesting question. Uh, I didn't have many opportunities and options to choose uh, before coming here. Because of my background in Brazil, playing a lot of clubs and playing in a pro tournament, uh, a lot of teams and coaches that I talked to thought I wouldn't get eligibility to play D1. So it was very hard situation for me. And in Brazil, had like a couple of exchange companies that help you with the process, like documents, talking to the coaches. And even those companies that I talked to, they said it would be very hard for me to get a D1 eligibility. Or even D2, I would have to maybe play 
junior college or NIA. So I found a different company at the end that they were really helpful and they knew a lot more than the other ones. And and they said that I might have to start with junior college because of my English at that time. Uh, but I already had a, like a, a full ride for NIA in Madonna University in Michigan. I don't know if you heard about it. But uh, out of nowhere, a couple months before the fall of 2020, Chris Grassi, the, uh, my head coach for Marshall University, contacted this agency and said that he he like he took over all my 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 process and my my background. He said that he was gonna be able to to get me uh, the eligibility for D1, but I, my situation would probably be like I was gonna I was gonna get at least three three years of eligibility. I wasn't gonna get four years because of my background, but he said it was gonna be possible, and then he wanted me as a left back too. So that's how it worked at the end. Uh, like I didn't have as many options, uh, but at the same time, the first time I talked to Chris Grassi, the head coach for Marshall, uh, I liked because it's a very diverse cultural team. He was trying to sell me this idea. Uh, and like a style of game that it wasn't going to be like long balls or like the college soccer game. We're gonna play like really soccer, like pro soccer, like try to keep the ball, control the game. And that's what like I really liked about it. And it made me come here. Yeah. When watching your game film and your highlights, what would you say are your biggest strengths and weaknesses as a player and as a person? Like I don't think you have very many weaknesses as a person. You seem like a genuine dude, but like as a player. Um, what are the areas you'd like to improve in? Uh, my strength is definitely my versatility. Uh, I can bring all these experience in other positions and still perform really well and understand the game when my coach puts me in different positions and situations through the, uh, through the last fall and, and this one. I could show that. And my pass is also really good, my vision as well, I would say. Uh, as a left back, I love to bring the ball to the midfield to open space for my team and get out of pressure. I, th I, I think I take this experience from midfielder when I play as a left back, and that helps a lot. Uh, but my weaknesses, I would say that is my body position in defending. I would say that is it doesn't bother me too much anymore. It used to be a big weaknesses uh, weakness. Sorry when I got here at Marshall because I wasn't like a really left left back and then I had to learn a lot. But now it's a lot better. Last year after the fall I had to sit with my assistant coach and my head coach and watch tons of videos comparing me with uh, what I was doing wrong and see how the pros were doing on my position. And on this way we started to work in, this, in the start of this spring uh, on specific things, for example, stopping crosses, defending overlaps, body position to where the ball is moving, or either stepping and opening our hips on a cross situation. Uh, so I worked really hard on doing extra, like afternoon after our practice in our, uh, my school schedules with my assistant coach, because uh, Josh, my assistant coach at Marshall, he was a defender for St. John's back in the days. So he could help me with that a lot. Uh, when we finished this fall, he came to me and also and said that he was really proud of me and 
and of my hard work and that I got a lot better. But for me personally, I'm, ne I'm never like a guy that would be satisfied. So I feel like I can still fix some stuff and get even better at the pro level. Yeah, and that's a great mindset to have. I remember watching the 2020 College Cup in the spring of 2021. And what's crazy is at the time, they they actually had the uh, NCAA actually had the Marshall Clemson game online to stream that year. I don't think they do that now with the College Cup with the streaming services and ESPN Plus and everything. And that's cool. The cable companies want to do that. But I remember back back in the spring of 2021, a few of the games were available to stream on NCAA.com. And one of those games was the Clemson Marshall <laughs> Sweet 16 game. Yeah. So I actually watched all the penalty kicks. You guys won. I was like, yes, the underdogs knocked out Clemson because Clemson beat Pitt in the ACC championship. I live in the Pittsburgh area. So I was like, wow, the underdogs beat Clemson. And then, then you guys went to Georgetown. You beat them. And then you went to the final four, you beat North Carolina, and then you faced Indiana, the team that knocked out Pittsburgh in the championship game. They knocked out Pitt again this year, but we'll get to that later. And then you beat them, and honestly, you could make an argument that that is the greatest underdog story in college soccer. Would you argue that that Marshall team was or wasn't, or how would what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh... For me personally, coming like from outside of the country here, I didn't know a lot of the other teams in, in this distance. So when I got at Marshall, like, the team was insane. Like a bunch of ballers and like players from all over the country that play like really good academies, for example. There was four, uh, three players that played with me in Sao Paulo Academy. Uh, there was like guys that play in Bayer Leverkusen, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, guys that play like good academy in Canada, like players all over the country, so a lot of good players. Uh, so for me specifically, I don't consider us to be the underdog that year. Not just me, but like all the players that they were just, they were saying the same thing at that time. The problem was that like, we didn't get seated, unfortunately. We supposed to get like, I don't know if it was 15 or 13 seated before the MC tournament. It's usually uh, 16 seeds. The top 16 seeds get buys, and everybody else has to earn the right in the play-in round. And what was even more impressive about that season is instead of winning a field of 48, they only had 36 teams in the tournament that year due to COVID. Beat. Exactly. So, so you guys got in. You fought yeah, your way like, into the Sweet we, 16, we and then you just the, ran the whole yeah. table and won everything. That's what made it such an impressive accomplishment for the team yeah like NCAA didn't give us the credit for the team we had and then like they were calling us underdogs and we were in seed as well so I think that's what why the name but however like since the beginning of that season we were so stick together to the process of being national champions and our head, head coach always like making us believe in that like nothing was gonna stop our, us like in our goals in that year like we all had that feeling our team was really strong. The quality of the players were like really high, and a lot uh, higher from big teams I played back in the days in Brazil, to be honest. So we were very confident we could do it. The TV was saying we were underdogs, but in the field, our feeling was that we were so good at that time that we couldn't even feel the pressure of the games or against the big teams like Clemson and Georgetown. 
uh, it was something really special that I can even describe to you how was it. Uh, but if they want to call us underdogs still, <laughs> then yes, uh, we were the best underdog team in college hockey history, I think. I agree with that sentiment, but I love the answer you gave how you're not underdogs. I love the self-confidence. All right, I'm going to talk about your goalie teammate, Oliver Semmel. He was clutch in that run. What makes him so special? Uh, Oliver, he was my roommate uh, when I first got to Marshall. Uh, he's a goalie with that cold mindset. He's very focused in, in, in achieving like each goal every game, not just think about the future. And, and he always like try to think about step by step. And he doesn't feel the pressure like at all. Like even during practice, people try to press him so much and he just break lines like he's a, he's a midfielder. It's insane. His quality of his feet is something I've never seen in my life. To be honest, and which was one of the strengths on that team that year, we could use him in our style of play as a for, uh, plus one in the back line to get out of pressure in difficult moments. So against those big teams, like they they were gonna try to press us the whole game uh, because they probably thought that we wouldn't be able to hold through the whole game their pressure, and we fall back there like when we were feeling pressed by the winger or even the striker could just pass to all and figure out for all of us. Yeah, and that's... He seems like the type of guy that's laser-focused, has ice in his veins, and yes. determined... Alright. Toughest opponent you faced in the MAC conference before moving the Sun Belt? Uh, I think he was. Wasn't Marshall in Conference USA too at one point? Like I, I am not. So yeah. So when I got to Marshall, uh, they weren't playing the MAC conference anymore. They were already Conference USA. Okay. Because I remember Marshall was one of the six MAC teams, and then they moved to yeah. to Conference USA, and then they moved to Sun Belt. So I just want a little clarity on that. I, that's why I'm confused. We used to, we still play Akron that year, that was from Mac office, but it was like, not conference game. Okay. Because I know the Mac had six teams last year. I think I confused Marshall with West Virginia, and that's on me. That's my fault, because... No, no problem. Because I think uh, West Virginia uh, joined you, and Kentucky also left Conference USA to yeah, go to the yeah. Sun Belt this year, but... As far as um, toughest opponent in the Conference USA in the Sun Belt, what if you want a team or player, you don't have to mention individuals if you don't want to, but who did you feel like was your biggest challenge as far as conference rivalries goes during your time at Marshall? Uh, before moving to the Sun Belt, I think my toughest opponent, I would say, like the name, I, I don't have a problem with him. He's a really good player. Was Stephen Afrida? I don't know how to spell his name. He plays for FIU. He's the forward. Uh, I think he's a really good player. Does a lot of good runs behind, and his finishing is excellent. He was on my team actually at the combine, and I had fun playing with him there, and I got to meet him better. It was really nice to see him there. Uh, but toughest opponent, and like the team that we always used to focus even more was Kentucky. Uh, it's very hard to play against them in their home field. Uh, 
they bring a lot of fans every time and they play really well every time they play at home so I think this team was the hardest one at the conference USA. say uh, and some battle didn't change too much but I would say still Kentucky was the toughest opponent but <clears throat> We didn't play against FIU this team because FIU moved to another conference. I don't know which conference they moved, but uh, we played against Pittsburgh this year and it wasn't a non-conference game. And if I would say in this year, my toughest opponent would be uh, Jackson from, from Pittsburgh. Yeah, because he had the game-winning goal against Kentucky in the tournament. Kentucky was undefeated prior to that. And I, I seen a, I, we even had Valentin Noel on the podcast last year because we thought he was going to get a Generation Adidas offer, and okay. we got to interview a lot of, we got to interview Noel, ask him about Burton, so we kind of have that background on the Pitt soccer team. But before we refocus on Marshall, let's shift gears here to um, South Georgia Tormenta FC two. They were a USL two team. Prior to your senior season, what was your time with that team like? Uh, unfortunately, I ended up not going there. My dad had some health issue uh, during the spring, and and then I I had not seen them in two years because before coming to the U.S., my parents moved to a different state. It's a different start, I can tell you. But and then I had to stay in Sao Paulo, living with a friend and working full time as a waiter to help my dad with the expenses. So. I had to stay in Sao Paulo while my parents were living up north of Brazil. Uh, so then I could help him with the process and I was I was also like trying to get fit in Sao Paulo before coming to the US for the challenge here. So this last summer like I've been a long time I didn't see them and then that situation happened and I wasn't feeling well and happy. So my head coach noticed and like talked to me about it. I explained to him the whole thing, and then he decided to give me a ticket to Brazil to visit my family as a gift to rest my mind out of soccer after the spring. Uh, so then I ended up not going to Tormenta, unfortunately, this summer. But I, after I came, I stayed two months in Brazil, and then I came back to the U.S. for a trial with Nashville. I stayed there for two weeks. Uh, but anyways, I still have contact with Tormenta. I talked to their staff almost every month or week or either week uh they're really great people uh and i always uh kept their contact with them yeah when you said nashville did you mean the nashville sc um team or is there another team in the usl um that no if it was nashville from mls the sc okay nashville sc the mls team that's pretty neat though after um, Nathan Dos Santos got drafted, what was the one thing you wanted to take and bring to Marshall's back line with a lot of core players from that 2020 team in their final season, along with some of the newcomers, to showcase for your senior season? Because I know you and Dos Santos, I think you guys were both on that Marshall back line with Semmel at goalie the year you yeah. won the championship. Uh, Nathan was a great player for us, uh, and even even better person. Uh, I definitely learned a lot of things with him. After he left, I tried to I try to bring this responsibility to the back line. Uh, 
inexperienced to the newcomers because I was going to be captain and senior as well. So I basically took all that I learned from Nate and I was trying to show them to the newcomers and our freshmen, our transfers, uh, how important was the communication in our backline, which was the biggest thing that we had in that spring that we won the nationals. So I tried to bring that to them and worked really hard in our communication in the backline uh, through this whole season. And that if we stick together as a team in the back, be tough and work hard for each other, we could win games and relieve the pressure for, for the attacking players to score the goals. That's what we, we did a lot in the spring. And and our team up top like, felt really confident to, to do what they have to do to win the games for us. Yeah, and Matthew Bell was one of those uh, newcomers. He took college soccer by storm this year. Because after September, I noticed there were two strikers with eight goals. One was Washington's Elijah Paul, and the other was Matthew Bell. I'm thinking, okay, if one of these guys doesn't have a homegrown deal and they continue to dominate, they could end up going very high in the draft, maybe as high as first overall. But, I, I mean, the game against Pittsburgh is really what I think that game probably what put Bell on the map but then he had some other signature games too but then you guys went to the MLS college showcase with Semmel but how would you describe the energy Matthew brings to Marshall? Matthew is a special and talented kid uh, he's kind of a, I, I tell him a lot he's a kind of Christian Ronaldo mighty guy he believes so much on himself that there's nothing you're gonna say or criticize him that would take out of his mind that is the best player in his position. Uh, this makes him win games for us, score goals, and create players that maybe looks or will be impossible, but he makes it look easy. And like he's really, really confident guy, and I really love about this, like about what what he does. Uh, because like he's, he was just a freshman coming from high school sometimes you watch those kids coming from high school and they can perform the same in college so we were like a little bit behind like we didn't know if we we're gonna be able to perform that well at college as well and then after our first three friendly games that we had through preseason he like scored a hat-trick first game two goals second game and another goal in the third game like damn this kid is gonna do great this year so yeah he's really special yeah um tell tell me about some of the other guys you played with at mls college showcase and what they brought to the table we've discussed your marshall teammates we've discussed steven afrifa um i i so i mean i uh Okay. The MLS Showcase was a very good experience and fun to participate. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet some ballers and, and like there and get to know them better. Uh, my team had some guys that I always wanted to play against or either on the same team. And I ended up being very, very lucky to have them on my team, actually, in the games and also like doing practices. Uh, the first one I would say would be Fodre. He's a lovely kid. Uh, first day, he sat on my table to have dinner with us. Uh, very humble guy and very fun to play with. 
He's very aggressive uh, when he's playing and always goal-minded. He will do everything he can to score. Uh, the second one I would say will be uh, Hamadi from Clemson, the left back, the left center back. Uh, he's a very talented player. I watch him play on TV so many times, and I also play against him in the in the 2021 uh, spring season. Uh, my dream would be to play by his side at Marshall, but. Uh, but I ended up playing in the same team right next to him at the college, uh, the combine. And his quality on the ball is very, very good. Uh, he can play with both feet. And I really had a lot of fun playing also with Ngando, the French kid from UNCG midfielder, and Brau, the winger from E2 Franklin Pierce University. Uh, Ngando is a baller. Uh, this guy, I was telling everyone, like, has, it's been a long time I don't see a midfielder like that. He reminds me of Zinedine Zidane a little bit. He's a midfielder that reminds me a lot of, of the old number 10s that could control the game with such class and, like, making it look so easy. And Brown is uh, so unfortunate that he didn't get eligibility to play D1. Uh, he's a top player and he also played for Borussia Dortmund in academy back in the days. But he was player of the year for E2, I think this year, if I'm, I'm not sure. But he's baller too, and those are the players that I could tell you. Um, were there any other um, teams besides Houston, Atlanta, Vancouver that were talk, communicated with you at the showcase? I mean, you mentioned your tryout with Nashville. Um, like you told me, you didn't meet with like uh, Cincinnati, even though they're in the market for a left back. So I'm just curious if there were like some teams or uh, coaches or trainers that you spoke with at the showcase. And uh, okay, uh, I also went to a trial last summer after we won the nationals with Atlanta. So that's when it started with Atlanta as well, but. As you said, I talked to Atlanta, Vancouver, and Houston during the combine. We had those interviews that they, the team scheduled for us. But I talked to DC United, San Jose, and Columbus outside of the combine. Like, I talked to them in the lobby there uh, after dinner and either during this week. Uh, had a good conversation with them. I know they liked my, my performances during the combine. They said I did pretty well. Uh, but I think those teams, not the ones that I had interviewed, but DC, San Jose, Columbus, uh, I think they're looking at me more as a center back in, the, in a back three, maybe, not as a left midfielder. Uh, not left midfielder, no, sorry, left back. I think they're looking at me as more as a left center back. Uh, they probably with all these teams are the international slots. Uh, as you know, I'm foreign, so this draft will be a challenge for me, but I feel really positive about it. I think I'll have a, I will have a, a chance. Yeah, I mean, San Jose is one of those teams that does need a left back, and they do have international slots available. I could actually see them taking you. I could see Houston taking you as well. I don't know who's going to end up with you, but I could see both of those teams taking you or trading back into the later part of the first round and getting you because I think those teams might go GA early but I could see them either moving back up or taking you early in round two. I don't know where you're going to end up 
but I think you're talented enough to get picked in the first round. So yeah, I, that's I, I the challenge. So. That's the biggest challenge for me when doing the mock drafts, but I've got two questions yeah. left. Which tournament loss was more heartbreaking? The College Cup loss to Providence or the Sweet 16 against Indiana this year after you beat them two years ago? You still have a title. They lost to Syracuse. Indiana lost to Syracuse. And we're not trying to disrespect Indiana. They had an incredible run. They went up until the final match without giving up a goal. That is pretty impressive. I have never seen a team do that throughout the entire College Cup tournament. So that was pretty impressive what they did this year. Uh... Yeah, in the 2021 College Cup, uh, not College Cup, sorry, uh, in the 32nd round game uh, against Providence, I was playing that game, and the goal, we, the goal we conceded started from a ball that I was playing in the right midfielder, and I tried to pass and start a counterattack, and then the, their player intercepted the pass, and they started their counterattack, and and then ended up scoring and it made me feel that the loss was because of me like it was my fault but at that time i was devastated but after some weeks my coach showed me like the video and and showed me that like it wasn't my fault specifically but more of a defensive problem after the pass uh from our back line because they ended up like going to the other side and then crossing the box uh but this last one against indiana I didn't play because I was suspended off yellow cards. I got my last one against Virginia before Indiana, which I was trying very hard not to get it, but I ended up getting there, was unfortunately. Uh, so watch the game from outside as a captain and a senior was very hard because I couldn't be in the field to help my teammates. Uh, I think Indiana was playing very similar to when we play against them in the final. They were still playing that college soccer game of long balls and try to press really hard. Uh, and I think our team wasn't in our best state mentally uh, to get out of this pressure that they did and also control the game. Uh, me and my other teammate, Vinny, that was injured, uh, he couldn't play as well. And we could feel that our team like wasn't feeling too confident uh it was like a weird weird feeling and we try to give them confidence and hype through warm-up and inside of the locker room but it didn't change too much to the game uh indiana was very confident and, and i think the difference may have had to do with the crowd as well because when you played exactly. indiana for the championship it was neutral field and marshall actually had the yes. most fans in carry because they didn't allow fans to be at the College Cup during that COVID year until the Final Four. That's when they started exactly. letting people come to the games in limited capacity. So, And Marshall had the biggest turnout, despite the fact that the Final Four was in North Carolina, and you'd think North the Tar Heels would have that turnout. But Marshall's mm -hmm. fans had the biggest turnout that year, so it sort of felt like home field for you guys. And then this time around, Indiana had that. And you were exactly, playing, yeah. obviously, their, so their that... fans were, like you saying, there were so many people around the field and in the stand as well. Uh, so, like, not just the fans, but the, their players, they showed that they wanted more that game than us. So, they deserved the win. Uh, but I feel like Indiana, comparing those two games, was 
harder for me because I was not there to help the team. And I feel like if I was there and did not get a yellow card one game four, maybe I was going to be able to help our team do a better job or either in the back line uh, or communicate uh, better. Uh, but it is what it is. It, yeah, it is what it is. But I, I also do kind of agree with you to a point where if you were playing in that game, maybe the outcome would have been different. And who knows what would have happened from there. We had a Marshall Elite Eight. Marshall UNC Greensboro Elite Eight, and then winner of that would have played Pittsburgh, and I just feel like that would have been so much fun in terms of a Final Four matchup. But Indiana and Syracuse were the two best teams. They deserve to be in the championship. Yeah. We're not yeah, taking yeah. anything away from them. Um, um, in the Providence game, really quickly, I think Marshall was ahead one nothing in the 85th minute, and then then yeah. Providence tied it and won an overtime. So. Yeah, we we were we were playing really good that game. We were controlling the game a lot. I was playing again the whole the whole game as a midfielder and I was doing a great job. But then second half, uh, I think our coach was like pretty confident about the score, and we were like controlling the whole game. They couldn't do anything. And then he like subbed me, some like three four more players. And then after like ten minutes after this, we we considered a goal. Uh, he was very mad about it, and then he put all of us back right after. And then he played the the overtime, and they scored again. They the goal. Yeah. All right, this has been fun, but I'm going to get to the last question here. What was your favorite uh, soccer team you watched growing up? Uh, I was always a Sao Paulo fan back in, uh, in Brazil. Uh, but if I have to look at an outside team from my country... I would say that I used to love watching Man United when Ronaldo was playing as a winger there in, begin, in the beginning of his career. But definitely Barcelona with Pep Guardiola. I love how Barcelona played that 4 3 and the possession style uh, and how easy it looked when they were playing. Like they showed to all of us how easy it was uh, playing soccer. Like. It looked so easy when they were playing. They didn't even have to run too much. The ball was running for them. Uh, so I would say those two, but more Barcelona. Yeah, this has been fun, um, Gabriel. And I, I best, I'm wishing you the best of luck when you got drafted. And I, I, I thought you did a lot better. We did have a first-round left back on the podcast in 2016. He's no longer in the MLS. And he had a pretty good interview, Um but I thought you interviewed better than that person. That person had a pretty good interview. 26 minutes, they were really outgoing. They had a lot of good talking points. But my questions back then weren't that good. Today, I feel like the questions were a lot more engaging and hands-on. We even had alternative options like favorite um, food, favorite superheroes, stuff like that if you didn't like any of the questions. But you answered everything. You passed the eye test, and I thought you did a really good job and I could tell the maturity, the humility, everything you've done from such a young age to now has led to this moment. And it's going to be really exciting to find out where you end up on Wednesday. So best of luck with everything. And I enjoyed having you on, Gabriel. Thank you so much, man. I'm excited to, to see the next steps. And again, I just wanted to say thank you for you for the opportunity to talk in our blog and, and podcast. 
Uh, it's great to have people that give you credit to all the hard work through all these years. And this interview was really fun uh, to me as well. And I hope people also like my story. Uh, usually, guys, I was going to say uh, comment about your blog but because I, I talked to you about this through uh, Twitter. But usually, guys from college doesn't pay attention too much to MLS or either the details and behind the scenes and what people are saying about the draft or either the, the college season. Uh, and that's something I really like to see and like look in social media. You mean the and scouting college soccer page? When you said the blog, you meant the scouting college yes. soccer group on Facebook. Yeah, the, scout, yeah, the scouting blog on, on Facebook and also our Twitter page. Yeah, uh, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. We have yeah. some a lot of new additions to that page. Um, Matt Baker yeah. from St. Louis, uh, St. Louis City SC Insider joined the page. Um, Crate, one of Creighton's technical directors and assistant coaches joined the page this week. And uh, I got a notification today from uh, the Vermont soccer team that made the Elite Eight. Apparently, they're on the Scouting College Soccer page now. So I feel like you joining the page has actually made our group more popular, Gabriel. So I thank yeah. you for that. That's, that's interesting. No, I, I mean, you give a lot of good information, like also good conversations that Facebook group, so which makes it fun to, to see it and interesting to know what the other guys are, right, what are these what, what next steps. So it's, it's really enjoyable to, to see the group and, and see our posts on Twitter as well. Yeah. But that'll wrap this up. You can listen to, uh, we'll have the interviews on TalkShoe, Anchor, and Spotify. So you'll be able to listen to Gabriel's story in his its entirety. And I'm sure Gabriel's got other things he's got to do, like prepare for the draft and run some other errands. So I'm going to let him do that. But I do want to thank him again for coming on. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you uh, for inviting me here. Nope. And I hope you have a good day. You too.